I've never been married, <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, I don't know what it's like. I've never been married either. <laughs> according, according to the church, you've never been married. All right, here's the truth, guys. At one point, I was married, maybe. Is that how you start all your dates? I am wise, I am strong. I am loved, I am here. I am wise, I am strong. I am loved, I am here. Welcome to I Am Here. It is a podcast with two cousins. Hi, I'm Gabby, and this is... Arilis, what's up? We are here to share our stories, share the healing, share the love. If you have any suggestions as to what you would want to see, or maybe you want to just tell us a little bit about your story or some feedback, please let us know either in the comments, or you can email us at IamHerePod at gmail.com, and follow us on all social media at I Am Here. Yeah, I'm here pod at, no, wait, no, I am here pod. Okay, cool, thanks. <laughs> Today, we are joined with my lovely brother, Luigi. Luis, He's so cute. And we are Hi, joined guys. with uh, Amarilis's lovely sister, Ana Maria. She's Hi, guys. Too. Today, we're going to be talking about a wonderful, oh, wait, no. Uh, we're going to be talking about <laughs> a touchy subject. Divorce. Damn, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's like when you, you did the death one and you're like, today we're talking about death. Woo! <laughs> so let's start it off this way. So, um, cause it, either one of you who want to start, but it's a question for both of you of how old were you when you got married? How long maybe, um, uh, were you dating this person, um, before marriage? How long was your marriage? And how old were you when divorced? Well, I was married pretty young, or at least like in nowadays time, I was married young. I was 22 when I got married. Look at Gabby's face. I'm sorry, I'm 22 now, so I'm like, oh, oh no. Okay, continue, sorry. (laughs) Yeah, no, I was 22 years old when I got married. I had been dating for almost three years, so something like that. Um... One of the reasons that we got married so young is because my husband or fiance or boyfriend or whatever was in the military. So we did a lot of time separated. Like we did a year he was in Korea. And then um, when we got married, we got married in November. Um, just everything kind of changed immediately. It was a really good relationship. I did marry my best friend. Um, but I got married in November. February was my dad's accident, so I lost my dad. So immediately was pushed into that. And we had just gotten the news that my husband was going to Iraq. So that weekend, my dad found out that my husband was going to Iraq. And then my dad left. And um, and so then he, my husband went to Iraq in April of that year. So we were married about four or five months before we were pushed into a very different situation than we had been in. And he was gone for again, a little under a year. Um, he didn't have a really long deployment, but it was, it was, it was get married and here's adulthood. Uh, parents are dying. We're going to war. Like, duh. So, um, we, it, it changed the dynamic a lot. That's a lot of process. Yeah, my husband changed a lot. And, you know, um, they say that being in the military changes people, but when you see it, especially just having gotten married and 
it was a struggle. It was a struggle from the beginning. I grew up in the same family we all did. So grew up very Catholic and knowing that marriage was forever and I married my best friend. I married someone that I was going to grow old with and either be buried by or bury, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, I hung in there for a long time. I was married um, maybe a year before my grandmother, my maternal grandmother first mentioned she shouldn't be in this marriage anymore. Woo! Wow. You married for one year before they told you you should separate? Mm -hmm. She didn't tell me. She told you guys behind my back. Oh, there was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, grand, we didn't grow up in a family that had a lot of divorce at all. Um, actually, nobody in our family had been divorced. Except On dad's for, side. Except for our maternal grandparents who um, were divorced when our mom was one year old. Yeah. And so she was the one that was saying, this is where you guys went wrong. You told your kids that marriage is forever. And no, it does not have to be forever. So that was within the first year. I hung in there for pretty long. So I would say that's my like <clears throat> How trophy. long were you married? I, yeah, I was, um, so I total years we were married. I have to do the math again. It was a little over 13 years. 13, 14 years. It's close to 14. Um, wow. 14 years um, of being married. And um, I didn't mean for that to happen. I left my house um, thinking that my husband would snap back and come back for me. And uh, so it's been about a year and a half. Now. So you separated one whole year before you divorced. I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when he asked for the divorce, I still wasn't ready. <laughs> because you mentioned that you were hoping he would snap back out of it. So your intention with the separation was what? Um, I guess I'm going to, I mean, the story is going to be long, but um, it is. I had throughout those 13, 14 years of marriage, I had family all tell me this is not right. I had priests tell me that I should leave. I had the therapist that tell me she couldn't help me because I wasn't the problem in my marriage. Um, so I had a lot of people and I, I fought for that marriage a long time. So what was my intention with um, leaving and separating? Um, I mean, that, that comes from a long story, but basically I had been struggling with an emotionally and mentally abusive relationship for all of those years. And um, it got to the point where, again, uh, we've gone through a lot of changes, a lot of losses. I was hanging in there. And in December of 2016, I had one of the most difficult losses of my life. We lost our, my grandma, who was essentially my mom. So I went from Florida to Pennsylvania to bury my grandmother and say goodbye. And when I came back home, I had been through one of the roughest times in my life. And I realized I was sadder here than I was at the funeral. Wow. Because he didn't go to the funeral. He, he stayed. In... He stayed. And he picked me up from the airport. And he picked us up from the airport. Mm -hmm. And I remember my lady saying that was one of the most uncomfortable rides of your life ever. You wanted to crawl out the window because you could physical, physically see my body language crawling 
to the door and I was kind of clinging to the door and he's he's sitting here and I was just immediately scared and felt uncomfortable and when I go home and I realize I was so much happier at this funeral than I am here in my own home and I say that my grandmother she was the one that said at one year of marriage this isn't right when she got to heaven she pulled those strings and she made it happen and that was in December and I had left by March of that year and I thought all right well Mm -hmm. um everyone's you know like everyone has said that he needs to hit rock bottom that's what that priest had told me many years ago he needs to hit rock bottom and unfortunately I don't want to tell you this but rock bottom might be him being alone and you leaving so Mm -hmm. That, you know what I just I can't I'm afraid of being in my own home I don't want my child who was six at the time to um to keep going through this situation and I need to snap him into reality I'm a great wife I'm a great person and I need not only to take time to heal myself but I need him to see an empty house see how much I do see how much of a difference I make and snap into it and he'll wake up and, and then maybe he'll, he'll maybe he'll appreciate me he'll you appreciate know, me the one part that really gets me i'm sorry but like the one part that really gets me is like the fact that you felt so uncomfortable coming home because your husband and they always say your significant other should be home to you it should be a place to feel comforted and the fact that you had such a huge loss and you come back and you feel uncomfortable that really that, that hits me right here. And I'm really sorry you had to go through that. Yeah. It and was intense. It was crazy because we came at different times. You know, she came before I did. And then it was a few hours. Yeah, two different flights. Yeah. A few hours later, they picked me up. And you could cut the tension in that car with a knife. Mm. There was so much silence. And, I, you know, at that point, I didn't want to say anything because I'm like, this is their marriage. I don't know. Because um, again, you had mentioned there was a lot of family members who throughout your marriage were saying, this is not okay. And we witnessed a lot of the emotional and mental abuse you we were talking about. And I had at that point already learned to just stay quiet and back off because anytime I would mention something to you, it became more trouble and more issues. So I had learned, don't even say anything because if she wants to stay in this relationship, she's going to stay. Um, but it was it was extremely awkward and disturbing. Was yeah. he not, like, talk? So, like, you you came home and he didn't, like, talk about the anything? It was just quiet? I can't remember much because there were so many different instances of this. But I know that I was really excited to come home. It had just been after Christmas. I purposely waited for Christmas and left the day after to go say goodbye to my grandmother and I didn't make it in time and I had all these feelings um and I wanted to come home to my best friend so that we can talk about it and to be comforted and um it it became just again another thing of like oh you did this wrong why didn't you you were on the wrong floor of the airport and it became something that was so small and it blew up and again I was like okay it was a big fight over picking you up and again it was it was an abusive relationship so and he never saw it that way and i remember um i remember again i remember specifically 
um, saying in my head all the time, like, I wish he would just cheat. I wish he would just hit me already because then it would be concrete. If he hit me, then I can leave. Then I have an excuse. But I'm imagining all of this because I was living with a very narcissistic person and that's how it works. Kind of sad though. Like a lot of people feel that way. Like they feel like you have to get to a certain point in order to leave an abusive situation because it's not necessarily considered a, uh, to other people abusive but it's it not was, real yeah it's not considered something that's like quote unquote you know worth leaving but it definitely is if it's hurting you that much it's just really sad that it has to get to a point like you like you said you wanted something to go even worse or like physically wrong in order for you to And that was on me. That was me specifically because my entire family, friends, everyone surrounding me in my life were ready. They were done years ago. But I needed something that I was not imagining because, again, I was being controlled by someone and I wasn't aware of it. It had been a year that I had been asking for my husband to say that he loved me. And it had been a year that he refused to say it because he didn't like me anymore and because I wasn't the same person um, that he married and um, all of these different things. So I had hoped that by leaving the situation, by leaving the house, he would snap into seeing how good he really did have it. And um, eventually we would talk and he would come back and say, you know what, I messed up. That didn't happen. I waited and it took, it, it took a lot of me crying in the car and calling people and saying, what have I done? I've ruined my marriage. I've taken my son's father away. I've done like, what did I do? What did I do? And well, I'm going to go back, but trying to be strong enough because I had left a lot of times. Like I, I have left and picked things up out of my room and um, go and not come back home many times but I always went back. So this time I was like, I'm not bending. He's going to come and he's going to realize this and he's going to um, say he's sorry and I'll say I'm sorry. And this has to be different if we want to change what's happening. And um, to be honest, I still prayed for it and I prayed that my marriage would be healed and that's what I wanted. And it was in March that I left and I came back a couple of times to grab things out of the house and to empty things out of the house. And um, it wasn't until November that he called me and he, or he sent me a message, I think, and said, hey, we need to talk. Um, when is a good time to come over? And I knew that he was thinking divorce. That's not what I was thinking. So even then, uh, what was that? Nah, eight months later, eight, nine months after I had left, I went to my house, what used to be my house, and I sat down next to my husband, and I started crying, and he said, well, you're crying, so I assume you already know what this is about. Um, we've been separated for eight months, and I think it's time to start talking divorce, and it was at that point where I was like, okay, I've been holding on for eight months, Now I'm going to say everything I've been thinking. I don't want a divorce. I want to come back home. Blah, 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 blah. Like verbal diarrhea. And I was was still very much like, okay, I'm going to save my marriage. 
I'm not, I, I, my plan wasn't divorce. My plan was never divorce. Um, I'm going to save my marriage. Mm. Only thing that convinced me was that he said he was seeing someone and that someone turned out to be our son's teacher. Oh. Then I realized, oh, you know what? My marriage is over. <laughs> and uh, I, that, that was finally the, the nail on the coffin mm. that I said, you know what? It took me this long. It took me not eight months. It took me 14 years to realize that he never really loved me. He just needed someone. Wow. So that's my fast answer. Oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Well, I mean, I, my, my uh, experience with it is, it's, it's interesting because the, it's very different. My experience with it has been very different. However, this thing that's the same is that part where you, that ending where you, where you explained where um, you feel like you needed concrete proof of something to leave. Um, and also then finding that and that switch in mindset like that, that was very similar uh, to my experience. Um, sh sh shall I? Sh so how shall old I? were you when you got married? <laughs> I was actually 25. Um, and I had been dating this person for around three and a half years, four years. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, w when I separated, when I left her, I was 25. <laughs> it had only been a couple of months you guys were dating. And when I started the divorce, I was 26. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I left after six months. Um, so living together and being married. Yeah. yeah. So, so this is the interesting part. The beginning and the ends are similar. Um, because my story also kind of begins with death, <laughs> um, and loss and very hard situations. Um, the common theme in our family. It is. And I'm I think related. that comes with, I think it comes with having so many people in a family. Yeah. But um, it's like, so I had met this person when I was like 21, something like that. And I, from the very first time I met them, I didn't like them. And the thing is, I said this to Gabby. I said this to other people. I don't want to go on a date with this girl. I don't like her. She's not attractive to me. There are these other girls that I really like. Yeah. But the problem was these other girls weren't Catholic. This girl went to church and already knew an uncle of ours. Mm -hmm. So in my mind, I was like, that'll be easier to just deal with the family. The family was telling me to give her a chance. Like the people who knew her, like the cousins and the uncle. Yeah, they, they didn't really know her. Okay. But yeah. They knew of her? And they, they knew, knew of that her. she was Catholic and... Yeah. And she, she would be good for you. She was his Quote, unquote. Yeah. Right? So I was like, fine. So we started, we just started dating a lot. But, and then that was a whole, whole, the relationship was also, was very uh, on and off. And, um. Because three and a half years is a long time. It's just like yeah, dating. Yeah. Um, and then I realized that, you know, um, it was like, I was just dealing with it. It was not that I was really liking, enjoying it. But then 
but there were some times, of course, where, you know, you're, you're hanging out with a person, you feel like, you feel good that you're with them and stuff, but that's like a fleeting type of thing in this, mm-hmm. in this relationship type. So then wow. at one point, my, then my mom passed away. This was, um, this was really hard time for me. Then mm-hmm. how long, two months, three months later, grandpa passed away this, uh, one month later one month a later. couple of weeks like four weeks later exactly yeah, yes. four weeks later and i'm gonna be honest there, i don't remember much during that time because mm. it's like i i just want to move on mm. so i don't really think anymore about that time but it's like the feelings are still there mm-hmm. like as in i can kind of feel that faint um like losing mom losing grandpa but during that time, I was also living over an hour away from the whole family and, at the time, my girlfriend. I was by myself, completely. Um, I was living in Harrisburg for work. And um, during that time, I was just felt so alone. And that was also the time when this person started telling me that we need to get married. Hmm. Um, and it was, like, pushing. Like, when are you going to start, you know asking me to get married and stuff so oh pressure so you're here you are you're isolated you're green you're disconnected very disconnected from everyone yeah to the point where you don't really have clear memories because it's all almost just like a fog well it's almost like 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 a dream it's also you're going through the motions but you yeah it's almost like zombie yeah it's like it's interesting because i actually remember like back when you were in that relationship even before mom died like she you guys were going through all of that but also like you would spend a lot of time with her she wanted you Mm -hmm. to spend more time with her and it was very like isolating Mm -hmm. and so when it came to being like spending time with like mom we we didn't have that much time left with Mm -hmm. her like you didn't spend as much time so it makes sense that things would be a lot foggier so so it's like i didn't spend much time with the family because this other person was very selfish with the time i had so it was demanding of your attention yes demanding and if i didn't give them that attention they would throw actual tantrums like these were very toxic people um that i was dealing with but the thing is at the time it's almost like i didn't have a toxic radar at the time Mm. i would not i wasn't able to identify that at the time and it's um so i felt a lot of guilt because one of because I always felt guilty every time I was spending time with my girlfriend at the time. And, but I, but at the same time, I, you know, I didn't want to lose girlfriend and all this. Because you're alone and that's your support almost. Yeah. And if it's not the healthiest. And it's somebody who's, and I'm not alone. Definitely relating and getting memories. Um, I see the parallels between both of these a lot because to me, it's, Yes, we come from a very different way of growing up. We are very close to our family, and that is a very good thing. And our family brings us together, and we're tied together through religion. And for anyone who's not been raised like that, it's hard to understand. Mm -hmm. And I definitely had that as a common theme um, between our misunderstandings and our arguments in my um, marriage from the beginning while we were dating. Why am I not even, like, why am I not number one? I'm number three. 
I don't want to be number three. God is first. Church is always first for you. Your family's second. And I'm somewhere on the bottom. And I see that, the same yeah. thing. We're like, why yeah. am I not number one? And it's hard yeah. for someone to understand. But because we, um, we I, I know that I was sheltered in this world, <laughs> it's easier for me to be like, oh, okay, I know he's, he's probably right. This is not normal. Let me make sure that I'm addressing him and trying to put him a little bit more yeah. as number one because I don't want to lose this person. No one else is going to put put up with this. Yeah, and and you're and it's like you're you start feeling like you're the one who is the weirdo because you start feeling like oh so you're just telling me no one else cares about their family above or like yeah. no one prioritizes things like this so you start feeling like maybe. I, I'm doing something wrong. Mm. Um, so then, what the thing is that it's like the when I was living in Harrisburg, and my mom was in the hospital. Um, these were like the last few days of her life, and I came to visit her, and I remember during that time I had to also work. So I was at home working, and then I went to visit her. And this was the last time, like, she was she was just in bed, and then I was talking to her just about work and stuff. And then she asked me, Where where's your girlfriend? Mm. And to me, like, because I had constantly been going through that, you know, um, I have to be with her, but then the family thinks that I'm spending so much time with her, but then she thinks I'm spending so much time with the family, then I took that as um, you're always with her. Why aren't you with her now? Oh. And I said, I don't know where she is. And I got angry. And I said, I don't know where she is. I've been working all day. Mm. And then I left. And that was the last thing I said to her before she passed away. Mm. Um, and then it was like guilt. Because then if I leave this person, then that was for nothing. Yep. You know? Um, wow. I, I, I get you. We do because... Um, like I said, it, it is, it, it's very parallel in some senses and it's just the way our ties, our lives have been tied together, um, yeah. these two groups of family. Mm -hmm. But my last, like I said, I got, I got married in November and I of course spent every Christmas with my family mm -hmm. and I'm married now. So that December he wanted to spend Christmas with his family. And we did, we went to New York and the plan was we'll do new, um, Christmas Eve with your family and then I'll do Christmas day with my family. And um, it was, it's something that still sticks with me because of course it's not that clean and that easy and you, you don't just leave on Christmas Eve. So it was very late Christmas morning before we drove from New York to Pennsylvania to be able to go see my family and then um, for some reason everyone had gathered somewhere not at somebody's house that year so I ended up getting home at, to an empty house and um, I didn't get to spend that last Christmas with my dad mm -hmm. and um, and again we had been dating for a while, so yes, my husband had a relationship somewhat with my dad, and we have memories of them going to, you know, the bachelor party together, and uh, Thanksgiving mornings together, and um, I wouldn't say he was the most supportive when I lost my dad, but I, that's not something that we expected, um, mm -hmm. but still, I do remember instances where 
he got choked up. And I was like, are you crying for me because I'm hurting? Or are you crying because you miss dad? And he, you know, one of those moments where he showed vulnerability and he said, Mm-hmm. It just hurts me. I wish that I had more of a relationship with him. I wish that I had gotten to know him better. And that was one of the things that held me in that marriage for as long as they did, because I'm never going to find anyone who had a relationship with my dad. You know, yeah. My dad gave me away to this person. Oh, yeah. that makes and sense. And I had a similar thing where I even said this out loud to her, where to my that girlfriend at the time. Wow. Where I was like, I I want to be with someone who my mom has spoken to, like who's my mom know knew at some point. You even said that at the at the proposal. I said that at the proposal. You did. And yeah. that that should have been kind of like a sign of that's the real reason I'm doing this. <laughs> Not because I want to. Wow. And and like leading up to then I did the proposal, but even the proposal, I remember like weeks before the proposal, we were in, I was in the car and she was asking me like, are you going to get like an engagement ring? I'm like, I don't know, maybe it's led to like some type of argument where she ended up like making me stop the car and leaving her on the side of the road. And she's like, leave me here. Like, I don't even remember, but it was the whole thing. And this was weeks before I was like, fine, I'm going to propose. pressure from not just her though because it was also like pressure from other people and i pressure that i put on myself yeah. because of like the way that we were brought up in family because i was like well now i kind of have kind of got to do the thing so then as soon as I proposed, from that moment until the, the wedding, it was like, I didn't, I was like, I basically gained something crazy, like 60 pounds. I was over 300 pounds. I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah. And, and it was just a nightmare. Because the thing is, it was a very also abusive relationship very emotional and like verbally abusive um and then we even the week before the the wedding we even had a discussion about whether we even want to have it or not and the in the end she basically like basically the consensus what consensus was we already invited everyone we everyone already has their tickets it's next week yeah, I was basically saying, like, I really don't want to do this anymore. I was like, I kind of, we were in Peru. And I was like, oh, you know what? I, I started realizing, like, I kind of don't really want to do this. When you couldn't fit through the door because it was. Oh, yeah, I could. I could. You know, the doors over there are small. I couldn't fit through some of those doors. No, but it's because those, it's not because he was whatever. It was, like, it was like I, really <laughs> short. Really short doors. Really short doors. Anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> he was like, wait, maybe this is a sign. And they did not have it's so symbolic. Shoes. I don't fit through it. Don't go through the door. Don't go through it. 
they had no sneakers my size in that whole country. Anyway, in the whole country? <laughs> no, maybe the whole area. But anyway, so basically, I was like, I don't want to do this. And then basically, it kind of went off on like, you know, people are already coming. and We already got, you know, flights. We can't, you know, throw away all the money and, and all this stuff. So I was like, all right, well, whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll do the thing. <laughs> you know then, what? And that's not unusual. I hear that too a lot of just like people yeah. uncertain of marriage um, mm-hmm. and marrying this person. Um, but then the wedding becomes more important than the actual marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, I would rather yeah. sacrifice myself than be embarrassed with all these people. Yeah. That That is true. I've, I've heard a lot of that too. Because a lot of it is placed so much emphasis on what are people going to think after we, we complete more than the money. A lot mm-hmm. of the time it's like, what are people going to think after we, we, we already made all of the, we took the pictures, we did everything mm-hmm. and then we're going to cancel it. What are people going to say about us mm-hmm. too? Like, yeah. And like, it was like up leading up to the wedding. It was really bad. Like I was just like so stressed and the thing is, after the after the wedding, when we actually had our apartment, it's like things got a little better in the beginning because then I I didn't have to worry about family. I didn't have to worry about the honeymoon stage. Things are good. You're yeah. not alone anymore. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I really didn't like her because <laughs> the thing is, it's like okay, it, it, it kind of hit me because. I was like, okay, now the family will leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Now the priests will all leave me alone. Now everyone will stop texting me. And if someone texts me, I'll just not reply and not worry about it. But then I have to deal with this person. Mm-hmm. That I never really liked. That I never really liked. Not even physically attracted. Like fully. Mm-hmm. And it was more like just a friend that I got used to. Mm. It's like settling. Because the thing, I, w- I was definitely settling. And the thing is, my cousins, everyone told me, you, you know you're settling. I was like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to deal with crap. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> like, you had some conversations with some cousins, and you, I guess at that point, um, you you knew, uh-huh. but you were so angry that other people would say it because you were yes, not trying to deal with it. that's what it is. When other people would come to me and tell me she's not right for you, that would get me angry because it, in my mind, it's almost like you don't think I, you think I don't know that or, or either that or, or just like, that's why I'm going to marry No, but it's, 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 it made me so angry because every, she was already controlling my life. So mm-hmm. now these other people, these people are coming in and trying to control my life too. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to do what I want. So the more the family would push me and say, leave her, the more I felt like I had to stay oh. because I hated. You know, we had so proven the wrong point, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had uh, we did a podcast on abusive relationships and things like that, and this makes me think about that. So, like, what would you tell? Real quick, like, yeah, I know this is not about abusive relationship, no. but what would you tell? Like, what advice would you give to someone that like is a family member looking at a, someone in a situation like that? Like, mm-hmm. if they can't keep reminding or saying anything yeah what would you have wanted instead of telling Mm -hmm. start asking Mm -hmm. like if someone would have come to me and asked me like certain questions 
and led me mm. to say it myself, mm. I would have been much more like, you know what? Yeah, this is it. But because it was more like demand, not demanding, it was more like looking down as in, you don't know what's good for you. Oh. That idea of you don't know what's good for you Oof. is just like... Not effective. No. <laughs> yeah. No. See, I think in my situation, it was different because everyone said it and I knew it. Yes, but I do agree with that advice. When you asked, I was like, I don't know. But Luigi had the right answer because a lot of times for me, it was... I can't go anywhere and complain to anyone because I don't need them with any more ammunition against my husband. Yes, I exactly. ended up finding myself defending him mm -hmm. and I wanted someone in these moments to be able to talk to them and be like, look, I'm hurt. I don't know what to do. I need, like, I just, this happened and this happened. But I couldn't because anyone I talked to was going to use that against yeah. my marriage and mm -hmm. I was still co fully committed to my marriage what a lot of people ended up doing mm -hmm. was well not <laughs> just mom because she was trying to be respectful of my marriage she felt all these things she never said it because she said that's her marriage I need to respect her marriage I'm going to keep my distance mm -hmm. but there were times where it would have been great for someone to ask me um and no one ever I don't I don't think anyone ever asked me more told me and I would just mm -hmm. hold these things into myself yeah. because I did feel alone I knew that a lot of people agreed and saw it but it took me that long mm -hmm. because I couldn't go to anyone with that information it's my marriage yeah. I when we make up mm -hmm. I don't need you thinking all these things that I just said about yeah yeah, oh. yeah exactly oh. and 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 then it's like <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I did that because, because, because I was in a, uh, uh, I was in a toxic relationship, I don't know, I, I didn't get married or any, obviously, I was like, but like, I was in a toxic relationship and I, that's the, okay, now I get it, sorry. That's yeah, it. you don't want people to, to think lesser of you, because you chose yeah. to go back to something that you knew, or like you expressed, mm -hmm. was not okay or healthy for you, because there is, there is a back and forth, and you, you, you realize things you start learning things but then you're unsure and you want to build and you want to create and maybe we could change this yeah. because we're also taught that marriage is hard yeah. we're also taught that marriage is difficult and you're going to be tried and you have to stick together and you have to work through it um that you have to persevere and when you mentioned you were so like uh, you wanted to stick through it it's almost like you were more loyal to the marriage than to your actual husband yes wow. the I vow feel, I feel like that was a little bit what it was more like i was i felt like i was following the rules by going through the process and getting married mm. and all of that but and then back to the thing about feeling not being able to talk to people about certain things it's also because you know for a fact that the these people are biased already mm. so yeah. you already know <laughs> the answer no matter what so it's always going to be on your side no one's going to be on my yeah. side. So it's more like being able to give a more like unbiased or like being there, like just listening. I like the idea that, that you said about asking questions. Like, are yeah. you okay? Like yeah. asking 
about you and how yes. you feel in the situation and not judging the person for who they are or what yeah. they're acting like, but rather just kind of saying, okay, are, I've noticed that you've been like this. Are mm -hmm. you okay? Like you haven't been talking much. Do you want to talk about that? Yes. Um, rather than being like, I don't know, Sally is annoying and you should mm -hmm. break up with her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that? That's what you were getting? Basically, yeah. Wow. Is that what you got? No, he wasn't annoying. He was just worthless. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, 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 that's that's what I got. Words okay. like that from yeah. grandpa. Grandpa going, you know, yeah. a man like that isn't worth anything. He's not a man. Well, I think <laughs> that was also that was also a turning point for you, not moving towards um divorce, but a turning point towards you of like, whoa, because you mentioned how like the thought of marriage and how it was taught um and and the religious mindset and then grandpa being the patriarch in a such religious family he was married like, 62 years yeah um he he sitting down and saying you need to separate i think was very shocking yeah for you yeah to have all the matriarchs and the patriarchs and the priests the people that you admired <laughs> And and the people yeah. that say that marriage is forever to say, slam the brakes. Yeah. No, you need now, to. Now, when I got to that part, the divorce part, the separation, I got the opposite from priests telling me to stay. So, so I got married, <laughs> kind of continuing this, and it became hell for me every day because this is something I didn't learn until after, until much after. I had an undiagnosed disorder. Um, I had severe ADHD and it was just getting worse because of the stress and anxiety. And it was every day, like just anxiety attacks. And because part of that ADHD is that I forget little things or things like lock my key in the car. It's really dumb things where I forget to take something out of the fridge or start cooking something. Very little things and that was I didn't know that's that came from this disorder and it would just get worse. The problem was that this was a person who that I was married to who every small little thing would make her explode. Hmm. She would she would go off on me, tell me I'm stupid, uh, that you know how she how can she deal with me um and you know it was like literally walking on eggshells all day like from the moment i woke up to the moment i went to sleep it was me just living in fear that i'm gonna do or say something that's gonna make her angry and and it and it got to the point where after a few months like she wanted everything was her way like she wanted a dog. I said, we don't have enough money for a dog. We don't have the time for a dog. She, she, she would like fake cry and throw tantrums until I said, fine, I'll get a dog. Well, that's the good thing. That, that was the best thing that happened in that relationship. Molly! Cause I still have, <laughs> she's incredible anyway. Um, but the other things like that, that didn't turn out as well as, as, as Molly over here, our, our doggy, but it's it was like i lost all of my own life um 
And then it got to the point where I was waking up every day basically saying, I hate my life. I hate this. And I would go to work. I, I got a job over here, moved back near the family, uh, worked at the university. And every, I remember one time I was driving back home and I was like, I hate my life again, over and over. And that's and I wanted to kill myself. And driving home, I I had to fight with myself to not like push the car over into the other lane. Yeah, yeah. And I got home, and it was that same week that I stumbled on. I was just at home, and then she had left her iPad, and I saw some weird messages. I was like, "What's this?" So I opened it, and she had been messaging her ex boyfriend. And she had sent him a pregnancy test on on for April Fools, but she had she had been saying that she had not talked to this guy in all this time. So that's when I had like found I like had her her iPhone, and then she said she was gonna go sleep over with her friend who was pregnant to help her out. And instead, I saw that she went to her ex boyfriend's house and stayed there. Wow. And. Here's the thing, the moment I saw that, I got so happy. I almost jumped for joy. And I cried for joy when I saw this, because this was my way out. Because I had been hating everything about this since the day. And the thing was, later I found out, she had been cheating on me since before the wedding. She had already been cheating on me since two years into the into the relationship she never really cared mm. so so it got to the point like i left grabbed my stuff separated took took my dog and uh and that was essentially as she started trying to come back and Talk to our dad. She came, would talk to her, like our dad, like talk she to She was people. buying me things and taking me places. Yeah, like food. trying to, to bring me back. But the thing was, at that point, I was, oh, it was over for me. And I was so happy. Yeah, it's almost like when you, and the way I see it, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, but the way I see it is you saw those messages, you were happy because you had a way out and yeah. it wasn't because of you. Yeah. It's almost like a liberation of I can get out and it's not my fault because yes. I did what I had to do. It was Absolutely. your fault. It's good. Because yeah. the entire time you're being told that it is your fault. In yeah. an abusive relationship and in a toxic relationship, you're mm -hmm. constantly thinking you're the problem. So to finally have something be concrete and say, I, wait, I am not the problem. Mm -hmm. This is my feelings. This is how, this is, I have a right to feel this way mm -hmm. is almost liberating yeah no absolutely it was liberating and the thing was that i i started the divorce process within months um but then i had to go through the annulment process um that part um <laughs> that was hard because i we had to go to a priest and the priest would tell me that I was being selfish for leaving. Um, but this, was this before it was confirmed that she was being unfaithful? Or? No, like I had proof and everything. Wow. And after, 
after like a few trips, I was just like, oh, okay. So, so, so this priest is useless. <laughs> oh, I was, well, I was angry. Yeah. And, um, wow. so I was like, well, I, whatever. I, at this point, I don't care anymore. But I, I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if someone from the family spoke to him or if she, like my ex spoke to him and said something, but eventually he actually reached out and he said that he apologized to me somehow and basically said, you're doing the right thing. This like came out of nowhere. So shit floats. Sorry. Now we have to make it explicit. No, <laughs> <laughs> well, so, but then after that, that was the beginning of what I say, the beginning of my life, <laughs> because I, everything changed so much from that point forward mm. that I don't even, looking back, I'm not even, I feel like I'm not even the same person at all. Like, looking back at that person who even got married in the first place, like, it just feels like I was on this zombie, like, just autopilot. Where sometimes I don't even remember things that happened. That. And that's the thing. When you're talking about tiptoeing around the house and being afraid to breathe in your own home, mm -hmm. I definitely um, identify with that. Because if it wasn't one thing, it was another thing that I was doing wrong. And mm -hmm. I literally was. I would wake up. And I would go into a room, sometimes a closet, and I would just sit there and try to not exist. And mm. um, and that does, that does mentally yeah. get to you and affects you. And you don't realize the abuse that you're going through. And you're doing that for months or years or however long. You check out. So you are a zombie. And I was completely, um, for years, didn't realize I, I'm not me anymore. I don't know who I am anymore because I've tried to disappear for so long. I'm hiding. Yeah. I am completely like checked out of my body. And it has been such a process for me, even when I left the house and, um, and I moved away out of that situation and months of me trying to remember who am I and what do I like? And what do I do? Because I had for so long not been allowed to do any of that. I didn't listen to music. I didn't dance. I didn't do any of these things. Because you weren't allowed to sing. You weren't allowed to laugh too loud because it was obnoxious. Or so you start losing parts of it. And it's just like, even with family members, it's like, yo, I, I couldn't who do are it. you I anymore? Do it. And it was, it was like, I completely lost who I was. And um, it's been a... Uh, a process of self rediscovery and trying to figure out who I am. And even now, you know, three years later, I'm still going through things where I'm like, oh, I forgot that, how this felt and I, I forgot how nice this is. And, um, and I think for family members, again, it has helped me to reconnect. But one of the things is, you know, there were people in my life, like my child that was six and had never really gotten to know part of who I was and I knew that what was being done to me was also coming down on him and it became a thing where like 
he still, we have split custody and I'll take him to dad's and dad will bring him to me. But when we're in the car or even when we still lived in that house, we would be in the car and I'd say, okay, baby, now that daddy's not in the car, go ahead, scream and sing as loud as you want. And, we're, and we would just have screen time and we would just scream and laugh. And because I wanted to make sure that he knew that even though he can't make noise when he's around his father, we still need to get that out of our system. And, um, and it was, it was one of those things that definitely pushed me was having a kid in that situation because I saw it affecting him. And I want my son to know his mother and to know that he has the ability to have this, you know, openness. Well, and I want you to speak a little bit about that because you're, you have a kid and Luigi was in it for six months. Luckily, he didn't have a kid because it, I think it complicates, it complicates the, the, the process so much or it can motivate because I know there's so many people who go through marriages and stay in them because of the kids. And um, again, I, I think that was definitely part of it. I made this commitment to God that I was going to start a family. I have a husband and I have a child and I would be destroying. And I still saw it that way months, a year afterwards, I destroyed my family. I did this. No one forced me to leave the house. I destroyed my son's family. But there are pivotal moments that I remember that I will always hold with me because no, we never yelled at each other we were never violent with each other in front of our son they never 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 yelled and had those fights because i was not allowed to yell in my house if i was angry i was not allowed to raise my voice i was not allowed to show that i was angry because whenever i was angry it was turned back on me but my son could still feel that tension and he still knew that I would leave the room and go and hide in the bathroom and cry. And he would knock on the door and say, Mommy, are you okay? Because his father said something to me. And one of those moments where my son was, I think he was four or five. And we were just having a normal day. I don't even remember. But he, something happened. And he goes, Mommy, you need a new husband. And I said, baby what do you mean I have your daddy and I love your bear your daddy very much he goes no you need a new husband because this one's not very nice to you oh, oh my goodness wow see wow. they know they know they know because let me tell you we were so conscious we didn't say we didn't have any conversations like that like we hardly had those conversations with you um so for him to say that it's almost like he it came from within. It wasn't something he, he overheard. He knew, and kids are not stupid, and you know they they they, 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 yeah, they, they care can. for you, and and they sent their mommy and daddy's tension or their sadness or their anger. And to this day, my son's gonna be ten, and he will say that he doesn't have a lot of memories of us living all together, but he does remember us fighting all the time and yelling. And not once did we yell in front of him but he was still reading the energy as that was it. And I didn't want him in that situation anymore. And I didn't want him growing up with a mom that was broken anymore. And that was definitely part of it. When, um, when I decided to leave my house, I told my husband, I said, I'm packing my stuff and I'm leaving. 
And initially I said, and I'm not coming back for a week. I think that's something like that is what I said. I said, and I'm taking our son. Um, and he said, why are you taking him? I said, well, you have to work, so you can't watch him anyways. So you just let me know when you're off and I'll bring him back to you. And no, I didn't want to share my son. I didn't want to share him at all because I didn't want him exposed to that. But I knew that my son loved his father. I had, he was a one, he is a wonderful father because he's another child. And it's really fun for my son to play with another child. But um, I didn't want to share and I was hurt. But that doesn't mean that I had to take my hurt out on my son. And yes. And his relationship with his yeah, dad. I felt like I was destroying my marriage and my family. But that doesn't mean that I knew, literally had to rip my son away from his dad. So it hurts. It, it hurts a lot. But I'm very open with my son as well. Um, and I am very conscious to not talk negatively to my son about his dad because he doesn't need to carry that load. You know, like it was really hard, but I think it was better for him in the long run. And he can ask me all the questions and he can tell me he's hurt. And um, when I thought he needed to ask for some help, I took him to the therapist and he went to the therapist so that he could talk to someone that wasn't influenced in the family, you know, um, wasn't in that. Biased. But I also made sure that I talk really positively about my marriage because I don't regret it. I married someone that I love. I still love that person in a different way. I know I can't be married to them anymore. And I know that they don't return the love in the way that I deserve. But they gave me a child, which they love very much. And they gave me some great memories. And I needed to go through that to become the person that I am, like you said, and to grow. And that made me stronger. I'm very happy about all those memories. I'm going to hold on to all those pictures because my son deserves to see that he was born in a happy marriage and he deserves to see the positive out of what he came from. So I'm not going to, I, I do my best to make sure that I talk about his dad in the most positive manner I can. And when we're talking about certain things and I have a memory, I, you know, I talk about, oh, you know, your dad did this and oh, we did this and look, here's a picture. Because even though that moment in my life is over, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to disappear. It needs to be something that my son still knows is good and was, you know, worth it. And that brings up a question for me, for both of you. What did divorce um, teach you or change about your view on love and relationships? Yeah. I can go uh, first for this one. Uh, for me, the biggest one and the biggest thing that the reason I don't regret any of it is because Molly. <laughs> that's, that's one thing. The dog. That's the dog is one thing. Yes, she's wonderful. Um, but the, the, the main thing is that you can't, I learned that I can't put my happiness on others. So that mm -hmm. I have to be happy by myself, alone, before I can share that happiness with someone else. Mm -hmm. um, and in fact, it made me realize, like, I jumped into marriage as an escape from grief. And I was not happy with myself because I didn't know how to handle just my own life. So 
you know, getting married was almost like starting a life to run away from that life. I had of just like sadness and not knowing myself. And so what the thing is, the moment I left, that started this whole process of bouncing back and becoming the best me possible. Um, right after, I would say a few months after I left, I was finally actually diagnosed with my disorder of anxiety and all that. I actually got medication. I ended up starting a company. I lost 60 pounds in that year. Uh, Got it, Luigi. He said, yeah. I'm in a business. I'm losing weight. I'm getting yeah. sexy. I'm getting healed. And you know what? I was the happiest I had ever been in my life. And I had no one else. Hmm. And that's when it hit me that that's when it, it made sense to me then where having a partner or like getting married and all of that is more about being happy and then sharing happiness with someone else as opposed to, you know, the, what I was in. Um, and it also taught me how to identify toxicity. It, it was like, it was like what gave me the, the radar <laughs> to identify so much like, toxic behavior and not just others but myself too um and it's like now i honestly feel like i'm i've just progressed so much since that that i don't even i feel like when i got married even though i was 25 i felt like that was me as a kid you know so that's that's what i learned (laughs) from that whole process yeah like you need to love my, uh, you need to love yourself in order to love somebody mm-hmm. else. Fully. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What did divorce teach you about love and relationships? I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, for me, I think it's much fresher. I'm still, but it was um, one of the things that made this so hard um, to leave and to go through the divorce process was because. I wanted to be married once. And when I ended that marriage, I knew that I was going to be alone for the rest of my life. That's what I had decided for myself. I married once, he married, and he's, his religious beliefs are not the same, so he can move on. I am done. I have um, been punished to be alone for the rest of my life. I remember you saying that when you came out of this. I was like, this chick over here, if she don't stop, she's like you're like what 36 or something uh-huh. i'm like you girl That's still young yeah i was i was yeah young. but she's like i'm done forever i'm I not was, gonna marry anybody else because there's I, only one true love in your life i married once god i made that deal with god i promised god at the altar that this was gonna be the person that i was gonna marry and since this didn't work out yeah then i am now signed the contract to be by myself for the rest of my life and that was also one of the most difficult steps of separating and saying yes to divorce because I didn't want to die alone and be alone for the rest of my life. And I remember talking to family about it and mom and, and she'd say, no, God doesn't want that for you. You don't know what, you know, and I'm like, no, not going to listen to you. And um, then my siblings would say, you're not going to be alone by yourself for the rest no, you don't know anything. Like me, none of you have been through this. None of you have been through divorce. I'm 
like I know this little old man at our church who got divorced when he was 40 something and he's just been the church guy for the rest of his life that's gonna be me and I don't want that for myself that's gonna be the bald old little like man with the cane yes yes that was gonna be me and fills out the candles and he needs a stool to get up there all oh, oh no yeah, he that's does. Ana Maria you didn't know you didn't notice your cousin but um and what finally woke me up in a sense was Mama Ramonita hmm. I talked to her on the phone and she wanted to talk to me boy did she want to talk to me and she <laughs> was one of the first well she was one of our biggest cheerleaders when we got engaged and when this relationship started, she was one of my biggest cheerleaders. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to disappoint her. They were married 62 years and mm -hmm. they were my example of what marriage is about. And when that old lady got on the phone and she said, no, you have to be done. And I said, what, grandma? <laughs> and I said, well, I just, you know, I'm gonna be by myself. And she said, God doesn't want you to be by yourself. God doesn't want you to suffer. He wants you to be happy. He's going to find you true love. And you just need to have faith in him. He's going to find someone for you. Don't you worry about that. And those words stick with me now that mm. she's gone. Because that was one of the last real conversations that we had. And for our matriarch to say, it's okay for you to leave. And it's okay for you to cut ties with this um, because God doesn't want you to be in this and God wants you to be happy and you're not going to be alone and it's okay for you to move on sealed it for me I was like okay you know what <laughs> it's it's time um, it's still process that I have to go through and it's very scary because I don't want to do this again and I don't want to break another family or another marriage or get divorced again. So it's very scary and it's going to be a process. And now I know, okay, if it feels wrong and if it hurts so bad, this probably isn't what God had in mind for me. It's almost like, well, as you said, that is like, if this feels wrong, if this is not right with me, a relationship or, or dating or whatever it may be, you almost learned how to walk away and say no. That you don't need to stay in something just because you're in it. Yeah. What would you guys tell people who kind of are in the limbo of the indecision and uncertainty of, is this something workable or is this divorce? I think that writing these moments down were very important. Keeping those letters was very important because it's really easy to forget why I felt or how I felt what I felt uh, two days later you completely when everything's fine <laughs> the, like your validation of being upset or being hurt disappears I imagined all of it especially if you are in a relationship with someone that's narcissistic or controlling because they're going to manipulate your own feelings against you so writing them down and why definitely helped me to be able to go through and say, no, okay, this is what I, okay, this is what I forgot. And this is why it was important. But also going through those lists of things that happened and feelings that I had and saying, can I fix this? Or is this out of my control? Because sometimes 
it has nothing to do with me. And if I can't fix it and I'm trying my best to fix something that another person, you can't force someone to be fixed if they don't want to see it. If they don't see a problem with themselves and people are telling me over and over again, it's not you. I can't, you can pray and love and cook as much as you want for someone, but you can't fix a relationship if you're the only one doing it. I was in a canoe with one paddle. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, and to go off of that, I would say it's, it's important to remember that life is short. <laughs> life is short and everyone is going to die. <laughs> it's just a part of, part of life. And in the end, the only person you're going to be with since the beginning is yourself. Mm-hmm. and essentially the what's important is how you feel and your own happiness instead of focusing and this was an issue that I had focusing on what other people want it doesn't matter in the end because you're the it's your life you're the you have to be happy with your decisions you, like you're the one who who lives with your own decisions for the rest of your life, not the people who give you advice. So it's really important that instead of just trying to make other people happy with your life decisions, do what you think. Take all of those biases out. Take everything out. And then also um, to add to what I was saying you need to meditate on whether the the things that are going wrong are things within your control versus things that are outside of your control. You, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. I know I didn't get divorced, but something that I recently that I recently started talking about with my therapist, which was really I don't know if it's gonna help anybody else, but like uh, it helped me. Is like having two circles. You got a small like a one circle, and then you have a big circle that goes around that one, and then in the small circle it's like things that you can control and then on the big circle you write things that are out of your control Mm. it's been very helpful for me i'm not Mm -hmm. sure if it would help like maybe in a relationship or something Mm -hmm. but another thing with that with that same thing of like what is in your control and what's not out of your control because i've done that activity too um but adding almost a different column where it says um the things i can influence because there are things that I cannot control, but I can still influence. And I think that's so important in a relationship mm-hmm. that what I can control is how I choose to react. Because even my emotions, I can't control them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can manage them. But when you feel angry, you feel angry. And when you're sad, the sadness comes in. It's how I manage it. But I can influence by speaking to my partner and saying, hey, these are the things that I'm struggling with and there's not working. Um, these are the things that I need from you. That's an influence. I can't control how that person is going to respond to me. Mm-hmm. The way they respond is their choice. That's out of my control, but I can influence it by being truly honest with myself and mm-hmm. with that person and what's going on within the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then taking note from there, how is it it received? How are they responding? Is this something that we can work it out? Or is this something that I'm noticing continues to take away from me, like you guys said? Mm. yeah that's beautiful i didn't think about that no that's true yeah what are you guys grateful for 
Oh, uh, oh man. I'm grateful for my dog. That was, that was hey, the best Maddie. way to come out of that marriage. Uh, thank, thank goodness. I saw a post a while ago just like where people say that it's like, man, I broke up with somebody and like you ever break up with somebody and you don't even care about the person, but you're more like you're grieving more the dog, like their dog. You miss their dog. <laughs> There's a the song by um by Jesse Joy that's like Con quien se queda el perro. Yes. <laughs> the dog. Yeah, who I keeps the dog when we break up? <laughs> Luigi won that one. <laughs> I am grateful for the bravery that you guys have to be telling your stories and how much that's going to be able to help other people just hearing and going through the same thing. Thank you so much because that's amazing. Not everyone would be um, willing to do that. Yeah. Especially while you're still in the healing process. You know, it's almost easier to hear conversations and stories when everything is good and I came out on top and this is, it's like, no, we're still I figure it out and that's a lot more vulnerability and courage yeah. i'm grateful for ice cream and brownies Yay! <laughs> nice i want some now <laughs> but i am also grateful for um for pain mm. and for breaking sometimes and being able to come out a little bit stronger Ooh. the scars are a good story mm -hmm. Ooh. yeah it just reminded me, um, you know, like you have a word for the year. Some people do words of the beginning of the year. Yeah. Uh, so my word was rising. And it's almost like as you were talking about it, it's just like the phoenix of, you know, your great stars and the brokenness because through that, like you rise with more power. Um, so it, it, it is a lot. What? No, I'm just thinking about Harry Potter. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Um, no, it's true. Um, so I'm grateful for, for that strength, that courage, um, in, in, in just your stories, but in, in just life in general. And I am honestly very grateful that you guys could be you because you guys are so fun. And then when you died a little, it wasn't fun because it was very sad. And I say that selfishly, but in honestly, because I love to see you guys back, baby. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like when when you see somebody who you love lose their spirit, mm -hmm. it's almost like a death in life. Yeah. Uh, it's like the so, dementors are sucking up your soul again. It is. Yeah. It is. So I'm I'm very grateful and thankful that you guys are on your journey to really fall in love with yourselves. And really getting mm -hmm. to know who you are as people because um, that's incredibly powerful and we like you so can we, you please not like sometimes <laughs> I, I can see you. you you are our sibling <laughs> what are good ways for people to get in contact with you if they want to like any um social medias or things that you want to share if you don't want to share that's cool but sorry i'm just imagining you going like you can find me on linkedin <laughs> <laughs> yeah linkedin i got i got i got a myspace i've got uh said myspace uh, I I messenger baby messenger. Yeah, 
I got an aim. Um, Wait, and y'all gonna be like, oh, you can catch me on uh, <laughs> Tinder. You can catch me on Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Farmers only. <laughs> All right. Find me on Twitter at Luigi Vidivici. That's not you. <laughs> <laughs> You just gave a random Italian guy's Twitter <laughs> on our podcast. Yo, Luigi Vidivici. No, I that's guess. actually my, 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 my Twitter. Oh. I'm anti, so I don't think I have a Twitter. Okay, okay, that's cool. That's Go ahead. Cool. Yeah. We're grateful that you guys came on. Um, we're grateful for everybody who is listening. Um, send us your feedback, stories, questions. Hit us up on uh, Facebook, on Instagram, um, YouTube. Um, I am here pod um, at gmail.com. Um, and as always, we are so grateful that you are here. And we are here with you. Another rainy day. Looking for a place to stay. I could find the words to say with the familiar face and the comfy pillowcase. I see the steam from the kitchen. My world's brighter when you visit. No more weight on my shoulders, our hearts warming up, go outside it gets colder. I consider it a privilege, just to hear you and hold ya. Thank you for the blessings, the tears and the laughs and the love and the lessons. This one goes out to my brethren, let me listen for a second. The connections are close, hear that anchor your boat, come and send it your court when you're looking for more. Lay your back on the shore, though there's anger and war, you'll find love through this door. You'll find love through this door. I am wise, I am strong. I am loved, I am here. I am wise, I am strong. I am loved, I am here. I am loved, I am here.